Hey, welcome back to another edition of the Five Tool Podcast. I'm Dustin McComas, joined once again by all. <laughs> I'm joined again, as always, by Drew Bishop. Drew, uh, if you can tell, our flight was delayed several times um, yesterday getting out of San Diego. We didn't get back until we didn't land in the airport, get off the plane until about 1.45 a.m., um, got home after two, got up to go get the little man and get him to school. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm running out of fumes a little bit. I guess this is uh, trying to prepare my body for what life will be like when um, child number two arrives um, in about two months. But um, yeah, hopefully this caffeine kicks in a little bit and I start able to, uh, I'm able to talk a little better because that's kind of the point of the podcast. I hope nobody tunes into YouTube to actually see this one because I probably look worse um then i sound but yeah like you anybody that travels knows the feeling especially if you have those alerts on where you keep getting the texts from southwest airlines it's like your flight is now scheduled to take off at this time and at this time and it kept going throughout the day and i was like are we even gonna take off are we gonna be stuck here another day i say stuck here there are way worse places to be stuck than san diego but you know how it is. Like you're kind of in limbo when you're waiting for your flight. You're like, what do you do? You probably just end up yeah. eating way too much yeah. and, and going to the different places and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, we finally made it back. And then I didn't feel as bad when we got off the flight and there were people waiting in the Austin airport to board that plane to go to Chicago. Oh, take off it too. So that's like, Oh, okay. Uh, it, it could be worse. So uh, yeah, I hope you're, I hope you're better rested than I am today. Well, I, I noticed that you haven't completely gotten rid of all the Austin beat writer or UT beat writer uh, habits because I almost asked you about it, but I I always used to tease you about all, almost all of the beat writers would tweet at the airlines. Yes. Uh, upon any any issue, and I almost asked you about it yesterday, but I wanted to see if you did it on your own, and sure enough. And I saw you had some back and forth with Southwest. So what did, did anything end up? Well, I did, it in, I did it in a more subtle way. And oh yeah. I know. I, I noticed that. I've, I've, got, I've, I've grown. I don't know if wiser is the right word, but I guess I'm just less <laughs> of a jackass than I used to be about that sort of stuff. But in my head, I was like, I'm sitting here with a pregnant wife. It's and called just, passive aggressive. And we keep getting these delay <laughs> updates and we're just like, oh man, and it's going to hit my wallet. Cause like I said, what do you do when you're stuck and you, you, you don't go to the airport. Like you just, you have to go park yourself at like a, like a restaurant or a sports bar or something. So um, at Southwest is always the best about customer service and everything like that. And and uh, changing flights and everything. And they looked up everything and they're like, yeah, it's an air traffic control thing because of the weather, blah, blah, blah. But uh, we did get, we did receive a voucher uh, oh. for a flight. So yeah. uh, uh, shout out to Southwest for, uh, for taking care of us. And um, it, it sucked getting back so late, but we were on one of those, like, and it wasn't a brand new plane, but a new plane flying back and a half full flight. And I was like, okay, this kind of, this helps make up for the hours and hours that, that we were spent delayed. But yeah, like that's, uh, I, I think that's the, no, my, I've had flights delayed since the last time I tweeted before that, but I was like, you know what? Um, I just screwed up some of my lineups. Um, I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what the hell's going on about this airport and this flight. Like, let me just throw this out there and, and see what happens. Um, so yeah, I guess you, uh, I only had one opportunity to use that. My wife is pregnant. Our flight is delayed and that, that sort of card. So uh, I used it and uh, Southwest it worked Southwest out. Took up, yeah. took care of us. But um, yeah, San Diego was, was a lot of fun. It's uh, ate a lot. Um, it's a very, and I knew this from the last time I went, but even more so now it's a very walkable city. Like I feel like everything yeah. besides the beach is like basically 20 minutes from downtown, whether it's Petco, whether it's Gaslamp, whether it's Little Italy, uh, whether it's the Harbor, um, you know, Seaport Village, they're all, it's all kind of right there. Now, if you want to get out to the beach, it's, you probably got to drive out there, but uh, I mean, even Balboa Park um, is is very close to downtown as well. So, 
we had a great time. Um, kind of did a little bit of everything. Ocean Beach, Petco, saw you Darvish pitch. And, you know, sometimes we talk about calibrating our, our evaluation eyes. I think it's great practice to go see a pro game because you you see what it's supposed to look like at the highest level. And um, not on purpose, but I just we ended up sitting where I got the tickets uh, like basically open side for all right-handed swings about 30 rows up. So mm. you could really get a good look. I, I hadn't sat there for a pro game in a long time, usually home plate or, or down the line somewhere. And it just reminded me that if you don't have a good swing and if you don't have at least above average bat speed, you're probably not making the big leagues. Like, because <laughs> you, you see those swings, even from the guys that are supposedly, you know, bad hitters, and you watch them, and it's like, yeah, like, this is, this is what it's supposed to look like. There aren't many bad swings well, in this bunch, and there certainly aren't many guys that don't, that, that don't have back, bat speed um, in this bunch as well. So it was a really good reminder uh, of what what it's supposed to look like at that level. Yeah, well, that kind of reinforces some of the S2 cognitive stuff. Because like you said, like if you're at that level, you all have you, everyone has bat speed. Everyone has at least a decent swing, right? For the most part, at least. And, you know, then what's the separator from that? Yeah. You know, some of the stuff that we track on the S2 is can be the difference maker. You know, whether you process what the pitch is and, all that. I mean, you know, even if you do all that, good luck with against some of those guys that the big right. teams are rolling out now. So, and it's why we see that the offensive numbers across the league are so bad um, amongst other reasons with the shortened spring training and all that. But yeah, I mean, it's hitting. I don't care what anyone says, but I mean, it seems to be pretty well known that hitting is the hardest thing to do in sports Yeah, and, and it's only getting harder. <laughs> so um, you know, like you said, if you don't have that, those parts of your physical tools, and then, you know, as we've seen, you know, at least a baseline, uh, cognitive abilities, like you're going to struggle and mm-hmm. you probably won't make it. <laughs> like you said. Yeah. So. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. When I, I saw you Darvish, you know, and it's, the pitches he throws and the stuff that he has and, and stuff like that, it's, uh, it's, it definitely reminds you of, Oh, okay. This is, this is what it looks like at the highest level. And these, this is what these guys that we're watching are trying to get to. But if, if anyone has ever um, contemplated going to Petco or I I mean, you know, I, I told Brooks when he asked what I thought of it, it's like, if I remove my fan bias and just, you know, just strictly go in as a generic Pirates, pirates fan bias for those that don't know Dustin's affinity with the pirates yeah pirate pirate and red sox um if i were if i remove my bias and just grade a stadium it's it's hard to top petco like just they nailed every everything about that from where the jumbotron is from where the the skyline is and and how you can look out towards the skyline and how every single thing is like open nothing about the stadium is really enclosed it all to what they put on the scoreboard to the food and drink options to like the, you know, the hill they have outside center field where people can kind of post up there and the kid options and surrounding areas. Like it's, I mean, if you're a baseball fan that just likes to take baseball trips, I, I would put that one at the top of the list for sure. Um, and they just nailed every single little thing about that park. Um, it's just so, so, so fan friendly. And I, we got to see it too when the Dodgers were in town. So it was a really charged atmosphere. A lot of Dodgers fans, um, and they're making some noise as well. So, um, a plus for Petco, it's, it's a must for any baseball fan that takes any of those types of trips. Have you seen a game there before? I have not. I have not, but hopefully hoping to, whenever we go out to area yeah. this summer. So, yeah. And the weather helps too. I mean, God, it was like, you know a chilly like 60 degrees when we were there it was a it was a nice uh a nice getaway from the weather perspective that's for sure they don't lie about the weather I, it, it's tough to beat the weather out there but uh we saw some games this past week um drew saw a couple more than i i uh, i went down to uh uh to to mix in a little 3a action thursday night um went down to lano to see uh blanco and lano uh, wanted to get some eyes on Dylan LaRue, one of our 5 to 55 guys in the senior class. Um, he did not dis- disappoint. Uh, looks great physically, really moved around well, really moved around the bases 
um, a little bit better than I expected. Um, definitely that ath athleticism showed there. Got a little quickness to him as well for a catcher. Um, four at-bats, he hit three balls really, really hard. Um, two liners at outfielders. Uh, another hard one hopper that the shortstop made a, a good play on to rob him of a single, but uh, caught well, received well, moved around well. Um, it just kind of reinforced my feelings on him after seeing him in the summer, seeing him in the fall. I, I think that he's gotten a little bit more physically mature in a good way. Uh, he looks ready to rock. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to end up being a pro guy, um, but if, you know, HBU has got to be thrilled um, with, with that signee for sure, because, um, if he does make it to campus, he's, he's an instant impact guy there, especially just because he's going to be able to catch um, right away. And I, I just continue to be impressed with him. He's got a lot of natural hitting vibes about him. Unsurprisingly, knowing his dad, Jason LaRue, caught in the big leagues, I think, for 13 years and has, has really done a great job really working with him about how to, how to catch, how to be a catcher, how to set up, you know. Um, I was talking to him a little bit during the game and he said, yeah, you know, we're kind of, we worked off of what, what Yadier Molina was taught. I was like, okay, well, that's, that's pretty, uh, that's a pretty good one to go off there as well. But, um, you know, and, and he caught a guy that's a, an interesting right-handed pitcher, Midland College um, signing Ryan Kayser, um, big guy. I think he's probably six, 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 seven, really good strike thrower um, for a guy, his, his size repeated his delivery well through a ton of strikes um, he was mostly about 84 to 86, um, breaking ball showed occasionally, but he just had the, he just th throwing so many strikes out of that frame with his fastball, um, that the, that guys just couldn't, couldn't catch up to it. Um, and then Caleb Murray, an uncommitted, uh, senior, he played second base athletic player. Um, you know, from what, uh, Jason LaRue was telling me, he actually catches really well as well. Um, kind of one of those guys that could play all over the diamond. But I, I think that watching him move and looking at him physically and, and hearing what uh, what Jason said about his catching skill, um, I think that's a guy that could catch it at, at the next level somewhere. But uncommitted senior, he's good enough to go play somewhere. Um, he's got some raw power. Um, he hit a fly ball that hung up in the air seven seconds, uh, which kind of mm -hmm. speaks to, to what kind of power he's packing in there. Moved around well. Um, not really hearing from, from many people recruiting wise right now, but I think that's a guy that, especially on the Juco side, D2 side, um, if you're looking for a utility guy or, or a guy that can maybe catch some innings for you, um, get some eyes on Caleb Murray. I think he's got an opportunity to keep playing at the next level. Um, uh, but that, that team looked like from the three, a perspective, they're going to have a chance to make some noise in the postseason. Uh, I know they're kind of, um, fighting in that district right now. It's a pretty tough district, but, uh, certainly looked like one of the better teams 3A-wise in the state of Texas. Yeah, well, sticking on that same topic of good catchers um, and 5-55 catchers, I got to see uh, Prosper again, so Easton Carmichael. Um, got to see them in a matchup with Allen uh, on Friday night. Caught their game, and just true to form, like, I, I can't escape the wind. Um, <laughs> it just – there's no, I mean, there were some balls that were hit really well that didn't go anywhere. The wind was blowing like kind of straight, like kind of in and across from right mm -hmm. field. And like, you, you can even see it. I, I I was looking back through some of my videos from the game and Colin Husband for Allen was pitching and like, he looked like he was like, he had loose pants and his, his pants looked like a flag. Like they were just like, they were blowing in the wind so heavily, but that was my first uh, time to see husband this spring. I saw him once this fall, I think, and um, was really impressed. Um, Temple junior college got a good one with him. Um, he competed uh, really through the ball. Well, um, uh, move the ball around, spun some breaking balls, use a change up uh, just a really polished senior pitcher. And I think there's more in the tank. You know, I know he does some velocity training stuff and, the, the velocity's ticked up some since the fall, um, but a lot of a lot of room to grow for him, I think. And I was really impressed. And you know, for a, what was a you know pretty heated game and a in a in a good atmosphere, he kind of rose to the occasion and 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 pitched really well. So I, I was impressed with him. Um, Nick Mosquita, a guy that was on our uh, five tool academic team in the Arizona Fall Classic, had a double, uh, drove in a run. Uh, one of my one of my favorite guys. So, uh, so 2024 Brady Co. Um, he reminds me of kind of maybe that class is J.C. Davis, okay. uh, but just really good defender can play a lot of positions. He was playing third uh, for Allen 
uh, on Friday night and made a couple of good plays. He just, you know, he was just one of those guys that carries himself like he knows what he's doing on a ball field. Um, obviously having a dad as a coach helps. Um, and you, you can all, you, you seem to just always be able to tell those guys that have a dad that either played at a high level or coached, you know, they just kind of carry themselves a, a little bit different. And, and I, I think uh, Brady's that way. Um, but I've always liked him, saw him some back in the summer and in the fall, but impressed with him. Um, going back through my notes, it, it was a good game. Um, ultimately, a dropped pop-up is kind of what was the separating factor. But like I said, the the I, I knew right off the bat, it was one of the, it was a really high pop-up and mm. just, you just could feel it off the bat. That it was going to be tough. It was, you know, around, in the, around the shortstop area and just kind of, it was, it was a tough play, you know, nothing was going to be routine that night. So, uh, but ended up being a good win for Allen. I think uh, Garrett Carter came in and in relief um, for Allen to get the save. Colin Husband got the win uh, going six innings. Um, they're they're going to have a chance to do something in the playoffs. They play good baseball. You know, we talk about getting to see in and out and, you know, there it was very obvious watching them take in and out that they were sharp and ready to go for the game. And, you know, it, just, it tells me a lot the way that teams take in. Yeah. Um, and they did a good job of it. And, you know, they played a relatively clean game and ended up getting the win. Um, and then Saturday I went over to watch Arlington Martin versus Mansfield Legacy to get my first look of the spring at uh, 5 tool 55 23 uh, class Dylan Schlegel and man, he, he didn't disappoint, you know, it wasn't a huge like box score filling game, but he just does everything right. He took good swings. Another, another win game. This was one of the, one of the stiffest breezes that we've seen. Same kind of wind pattern, just blowing in, um, knocked down some really hard hit balls, but first about the game, Dylan hit a ball really well to left field that, you know, if you just watch the fielder, it looked like a routine ball, but he smoked it to left. Um, and made solid contact, walked, I think he sold two bases on the day, um, put a ball in play for what turned out to be an E6, and he got an RBI on the play, but uh, stole uh, stole third, they threw it away, and he scored from that. Um, shortstop Parker Ibrahimi, who's a 2023 guy that plays for the Sticks, um, good baseball player. You can just tell he knows how to play the game and where to be and took some really good at-bats in the game. Um you know, I think legacy might have a chance. Um, you know, they, yeah. on a Saturday, they were throwing uh, Navarro commit Drake Dowd, left-handed pitcher who went six innings and had uh, eight strikeouts. Um, you know, really, really good outing for him. Um, I think it's said, yeah, eight strikeouts. And then Schlegel came in the pitch and close. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And you can tell there's arm strength there and he had a good, uh, you know, threw a couple good, I looked like a slider, either slider or kind of slur of action. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't think he – because he's so good offensively, I don't think he's going to pitch at the next level. But, I mean, there's definitely something there. And you can tell that, you know, he knows what he's doing when he gets on the mound. Um, on the Arlington Martin side, um, uh, Luke Spencer got the start for, um, for Martin and pitched well. Uh, kept, kept Mansfield legacy off balance for a little bit. Um, Logan Myers, another one of our 23, uh, top 55 guys, um, had an RBI single in the game. Um, it was funny. I was talking to Max Scrubs, who's a 22 member of our five tool mm-hmm. 55, and he was playing short. Um, he was playing short for Arlington Martin and he ended up making a couple errors. And I talked to him after the game and first thing out of his mouth, he's like, he goes, that's why I'm a pitcher at the next level. <laughs> hey, but, what, what we always say, the game will tell you, you know, what what uh, what role you're destined to take. Yeah. And uh, I he he's got it figured out. Yeah, and well, he did he did have a he he was hitting four hole on Saturday, and he did hit the he, he did have a ball that um, he smoked down the left field line for a for I don't know if he'd call it a double or a single where he advanced, but he he definitely hit the ball well um, on that in that at bat, but. Yeah, Drake Drake Dowd was a tough tough uh, tough out for those guys. Like they, you know, he that wasn't you know the type of guy that you expect to be throwing on a Saturday all the time mm-hmm. at ten thirty yeah. in the morning, especially. Um, but he was really good. Um, competed, like I said, he he was throwing a, a breaking ball to right-handed hitters that they were swinging over the top of, uh, kind of a back foot right uh, left-handed curveball to the right-handed hitters. But I was impressed with him. Um, so he, yeah, like I said, Navarro's got a good one. 
good one there. But yeah, it's getting fun. We're, you know, you're starting to get close to the playoff matchups next week. And um, some of these district district championships will be on the line this week. So I think, yeah, you know, I think yeah, they tonight, will. tonight, I think my plan is to go see Coppell and Flower Mound, TJ Pompey's pitching for Coppell. Um, so good to see him. And then Friday's a little bit up in the air. We're going to, it's probably going to depend upon what happens in some of tonight's matchups mm-hmm. as to if a game's actually going to be for the championship or not. So, uh, but excited. There's some, actually, there's some, there's some games to choose from some big matchups in town that kind of decide most of it's to decide playoff seating. Um, and a couple of them will actually decide who actually wins the district or if it's outright or what, but um, so yeah, we're getting close. We're getting close, close to the stuff that really matters. So yeah, and I, I was looking. I was looking through the one the games people had to vote on for the uh, S two game of the week and some loaded matchups. Um, yeah, especially down uh especially down in Houston as well. Hopefully, my Friday plan works out because if it does, it's just one of those rare days where there's a really really good game that starts early ahead mm. of another great game that starts Ooh. later. So yeah, that that's a, a that's. That's little, that uh, that feels like a little gift, but yeah, I think I'm keep it, I mean, yeah, I think I'm gonna keep it local uh, tonight and go see our guy Hank Howard um, yeah. throw. And heard some really really good things about Vista Ridge, and I know Stony Point's got a couple guys as well. So um, that district is is a battle with Vista Ridge and Round Rock and, and Cedar Ridge and and Westwood. I think is leading that district right now. But um, you know, speaking of performances, last week we uh, we discussed and wrote about it at Five Tool dot org some guys in the 555 rankings that were we're going to want to push up or add to the list in some cases like jack livingstone um so we want to kind of go through and and you know we wrote about some of our favorite performances or the top performances that we've seen uh across this year three of us the three each uh performance wise and uh it kind of reminded me that i've seen a lot of really good pitching and uh, I don't have many standout hitting performances that I've seen this year. That's just kind of the way it works. But oftentimes too, you're, you're going to see, we try to, if we can, you want to see decent pitching or you want to see good pitching face, good hitting as much talent as you can kind of maximize the bang for the buck, especially if instances where, you know, we're traveling. If, you know, for you, if you're leaving DFW for me, if I'm leaving Austin and, and going somewhere like that, but just kind of remind me like, man, I've seen a lot of great pitching. Um, I, I don't know if I've seen many standout hitting performances, but uh, I'll run through my three ones real quick. And I kind of cheated on the first one. And I just assigned Blake Mitchell a spot because getting to see him in person again at the dripping Springs tournament. Um, it was really, really, really impressive. Uh, you know, he came out of the bullpen the first day I saw him, after a strong game offensively, uh, touched 96 miles an hour, threw a curveball that I think flashed as maybe plus plus. I mean, it was just, it was phenomenal. Uh, you know, I think last we looked, he had he hadn't given up a run in 25 innings and then 47 strikeouts and only given up like two hits this year. And that's what the stuff looks like uh, when you see it in person, especially at that 4A level. Um, and then they, the weather canceled everything on Saturday. They come back out Sunday and they're playing Smithson Valley in a 9 a.m. game. And he's catching that game. Um, and Casey Wells gets on first base. And Casey Wells, one of the best outfielders in the state, one of the fastest runners in the state, great base dealer. Uh, he throws out Casey Wells. I think it was the first or second, first inning, I think. He throws out Casey Wells with a 1.87 pop time, perfect throw right to the glove and throws him out by maybe two full steps. And it's just one of those like, wow, your jaw drops moments because we don't like I wrote this at the time. I don't know if we'll see a if I'll see a high school catcher that looks like that with those types of tools like catching is really, really, really hard to do. And it's really hard to evaluate because there's just simply not that many guys that can that can do it at a high level. Um, He can. Um, he, He is a unicorn when it comes to a catching prospect. Uh, but it was it was just like you get to see him hit, get on base, get to see him on the mound, and then you get to see the real show, which was the catching skill um, against one of the best and fastest outfielders in the state. So Blake Mitchell for me took that took that uh, top performance spot, and then down in San Antonio, Mason Bixby, another 2023 guy. I saw him throw a complete game, one hit shutout against San Antonio Clark with Anthony Silva, Jacob Silva. I mean, they they've got some guys in that lineup. 
Um, and I went down there and I'd heard so many great things about Bixby coming out of area code. And I thought I was going to see like this power pitcher that was more stuff than pitch. And what I mm-hmm. saw was a guy that, that knew how to pitch, knew how to execute. Um, he, and he, he changes his uh, approach throughout the game, started mixing in more changeups, started going to the slider more in fastball counts, but he could really pitch. And he was a bit, he's a big guy. I think he's like six, 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 seven, but he was low effort for his size. He controlled all his length. Well, it was a simple stretch only delivery, just really executed. Everything moved. Uh, I came away extremely impressed with him uh, as a guy that I felt really, really good about where we have him ranked in the 2023 class. And a guy that I think is going to attract a lot of scouting attention um, this time next year. And then finally, another pitcher, I just, I've written about Casey Evans a lot. He was on our, uh, our, our story that we did last week, but I mean, the guy, I, I watched him throw one hit shutout with 10 strikeouts at Concordia Lutheran as a sophomore, you know, touching 93 miles an hour and then holding all that stuff through seven innings. I mean, it's just like, that's, that's, that's what, that's that pitching at its best, especially at that age. I mean, if, if that, if he was a senior and did that, I would have been extremely impressed. But the fact that he's a sophomore doing that with that feel for actually knowing how to pitch and how to execute and not being just a stuff guy. Um, I, I think that he's the early leader for the top, top guy in the 2024 class right now in the state of Texas. Greeno, we haven't seen everybody. Um, I know there's, there's a guy in Aiden Sims in the DFW area. That's got a really, really strong reputation on the mound as well. And of course, Theo Gillen down here in Austin, who unfortunately had his, his uh, season cut short by a labor injury, but um, it was, it was impossible for me to keep case and Evans off a performance list just because um, to do what he did at Concordia Lutheran against one of the better teams in the area uh, was a really, really loud performance. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, you know, I, I feel like I sound like a broken record talking about Jack Livingstone, um, but there's no other place for me to start. No hitter. You got to have a yeah, no hitter. Other than the no hitter. I mean, yeah. And, and a no hitter against Rock Hill too. So it wasn't like it was against, you know, just some team at the bottom of the standings. Yeah. Like it was an earned against a good hitting team uh, by Jack. I mean, it was, it was an impressive performance, you know, it commits to tech the next day, double digit strikeouts, um, you know, and he was a guy that I saw early when it was really cold. And I, I just thought to myself, I mean, I, you know, I was, if you remember, I was a huge fan of what I saw. And I mean, there was just, I, I couldn't believe that he wasn't committed. You know, if I would have shown up, I would have guessed that he was committed to a top, uh, you know, power five D one program. Um, and, uh, you know, sure enough, he continues to stack good outings and, you know, that led to a no hitter and then another no hitter, (laughs) you know, so he, he, he's just been unbelievable this season. And like we talked about last week, he's going to make a huge jump or, well, I don't even know if you call it a jump, he's going to make an appearance, uh, at a high spot on our yeah. 50 final 55 for the 22 class. But, you know, I know we mentioned it last time we talked about it, but all like all no hitters, there was one play that had to be made to preserve the no hitter. And, and it was this, that he had a third inning, the only real inning that he was really um, threatened at all had a walk um, to lead off the inning, then gets an immediate double play uh, rolled by the branch brothers and then to get the last out of the inning, there was a line drive that was um, smoked by Rock Hills, Brett Foss uh, over third base in uh, 2024. Matthew Maynard made a really good um, jumping snag of the line drive. So, you know, that, you know, you never know it in the moment, but you can always feel like you look back on a no hitter and find some play that that ended up being an incredible play to preserve the, the no hitter ultimately. Um the other performance, you know, was a recent one that I saw um, from uh, Frisco, um, Frisco Heritage, uh, uh, Andrew Hickey, right-handed pitcher. And it was, you know, it, we talk about pitching is ultimately getting outs and disrupting timing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, velocity is always, you know, what draws the scouts and the radar guns. But what Andrew Hickey does on the mound is just – he pitches and he disrupts that timing and whether it's a quick pitch or a hesitation in his motion or whatever it may be, you know, sometimes all in the same batter. Yeah. Um, 
he frustrates hitters, man. I, I imagine if he'd be pretty high up on the list if you counted some bat slams from uh, from guys leaving the box over the course of the season. But, you know, and it's not like this is out of nowhere for him. Last year he was a first-team all-district pitcher and with, a I think, 192 ERA. So he's had success. Um, but, you know, I think he knows what he is and he knows how to get out, get outs. And ultimately that's the name of the game. And if you do that and you keep being successful, you'll keep getting opportunities. Um, but, you know, we were just, we, uh, you know, with, with Dominique Reed on the other side, it was literally like a 180, um, yeah. you know, for, Dominique Reed was just, he was fantastic on his side of the game and actually got the win and a- Andrew didn't, but it was just enjoyable uh, to watch. And it was just fun to see how both styles can really, you know, win, win games or be successful. Um, you know, he had one, only one inning where he gave up runs and there was a couple base hits and some errors and um, misplayed balls that led to all the runs that he gave up on the, on the evening. But it, like I said, it was just, it was a fun outing to watch and it was really enjoyable. Um, and then I did, I did sneak one offensive performance in there. Um, that was really impressive. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't like a, a big box score filling stat line. Um, but just the way that Jake Dewar um, battled and got on base against, uh, you know, a University of Texas signing Max Grubbs was impressive to me. Like he saw, I bet you he saw in three of bats had to have seen over 20 pitches. Um, and you know, a lot of times against an ace like Max, like that's, that's how you, that's how you become successful is get that pitch pitch count up, try to get him out of the game early. And that's what Jake was a big part of. Um, I know he battled back and won at bat to get a a base hit and keep an inning alive, had a, you know, he just shot a single through the, through the six hole or past the third baseman, uh, twice. Um, and you know, and on some good pitches and one at bat, I think it was an over a 10 pitch at bat where he just fouled out, fouled off good pitch after good pitch after good pitch. And then, you know, he, you can tell there's a high baseball IQ by the way he runs the bases and he's just a, he's a table setter and he's, he like, you're all, your mind's always going to be on him if he's in the game, you know, whether he's in the box or on the bases and, you know, he just, he, he sets things up for that Marcus Marauder, uh, lineup that, you know, just got a chance to go pretty deep in the playoffs, but, you know, I, we've talked about it before, but he, he's a guy that I think is going to have a chance to play early at TCU. He's just an on-base machine. Um, and just a good baseball player, really fun to watch. And, you know, I just, he, out of all the performances we've seen offensively, like that was the one that stuck out to me the most. Um, you know, I've seen some home runs and I've, seen some, you know, the other candidate was going to be um, Colby Branch with the two home run game and that no hitter, that same no hitter. Mm-hmm. So I really should have just listed that game maybe as, <laughs> as the performance because it was such a good, uh, su- such a good showing for the love joy guys on both sides of the ball. But, but yeah, those are, those are some of the ones that stuck out and excited to see if we can get some guys that would sneak onto that list here in this last week of this regular season and then into the playoffs. But um, it's been fun. It's been a fun season so far. And, you know, like we said, just getting started and the fun stuff starts next week. So we'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's, I, I didn't mean for it to, to end up being so pitching heavy, but that's just kind of like you look at the crop of arms coming up through the state. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be a really exciting to follow those guys, but yeah, we're going to see there's, there, there'll be things that happen this week and then in the playoffs that, that would definitely make a top performance list for sure. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the, the, the pluses about trying to go see good hitting against good pitching is, is those guys that handle and the good pitching, it often speaks really loudly about what kind of hitter they are and what kind of hitter they're going to be. Um, And even like you said, it's, it doesn't have to be the insane box score the, or the Mm -hmm. highlight Homer or whatever. It's like, tracking pitches and working counts and, and, and taking what you're getting and, and doing what you can with it and getting on base and that sort of thing. Like, cause that's, that's what it's going to be like at the next level is yeah. You're going to get your mistake pitches to drive occasionally and things like that, but you're going to be facing a lot of quality pitching and you're just going to have to make do with, with what you get in some situations. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why, you know, Jet Williams coming out of area code, like that's, you know, he stood out so much more than, 
than so many other people's because it's like good on good. You can't hide from that pitching. And if you handle it, I mean, it, it often speaks to what kind of hitter you are. And sure enough, he's, he's followed that with a fantastic senior season and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I'm glad you snuck a hitting performance on there. Cause I was kind of going through mine and I've seen some really good hitters and, you know, sometimes too, we get in these situations where those guys just aren't pitched to that much. Um, you know, like you, you see those, like a Jace Lavalette, you know, I've seen him a couple of times and teams just don't really pitch to him a ton. And, um, you know, I saw him when they played Morton Ranch and he hit a, a triple and an opposite field homer. And I don't think the velocity was breaking 75 miles an hour, you know, just kind of one of those things. And um, so many times you go, we go see those good hitters and um, they don't always get opportunities to put the bat in motion which can be really frustrating it's like I you know I imagine how scouts feel sometimes when they're having to chase down some of these guys that play in these smaller schools and it's like oh can you just pitch the guy and if you pitch to him can you at least throw like 82 or 83 or something so it can kind of get a feel but that's one of the great things about the playoffs is you're we're gonna see so many good on good matchups um hitting wise and pitching wise you know because you get to a point in uh, even in lower classifications, you can't hide from from the arms that are going to come through there um, and, and face some of those hitters. So it's, it's going to be really exciting to, to follow for sure. But, um, you know, speaking of some of those senior guys, I don't know if you saw the, the MLB pipeline draft list. Um, they came out with their updated 100 top 150 draft prospects. Um, number 25, Jet Williams, number 50, Cole Phillips, number 60, Chase Shores, number 102, Jalen Flores number 129, Jason Jones, and number 130, Jarrett Curtis. So those are all the Texas high school guys on that top 150 draft prospects list from MLB Pipeline right now. Um, Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo and those guys do a really good job there. And uh, But they also, I, I think it's it's a pretty good representation too of kind of what the pro scouting industry kind of thinks right now as well. So um you know, it, it'll be a lot of these guys are going to have an opportunity in the playoffs to kind of either help themselves or maybe not necessarily hurt themselves. But, um, you know, it sometimes those big performances in the playoffs can go a long way because, like we say, like you you don't really get to hide in the playoffs. It's often good on good. Um, and it's also it's often really tense moments. Um, and I, I know that we go watch guys in those sorts of environments and things like that. It always, I kind of put a star bes beside guys that really handle those environments and kind of keep that, keep that heartbeat steady and keep that skill going when things kind of get tense and crazy all around them. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely different. Um, just looking at this list of guys, obviously Cole Phillips won't throw, um, Heath's having a good year. So Jed will hopefully make another deep run in the playoffs. Mm -hmm shores uh he'll get a couple more outings it looks like flores um i saw i don't know i just sent it to you separately but um i sent uh saw that their game got moved to tomorrow so i'm gonna guess that that being one of very few games there will be a lot of people in to see him uh jason jones i think plays allen this week um, so he'll have two good pitching matchups coming against him. He, you know, he, he has a tough district. Um, you know, he's got some really good arms in that district that he faces on a daily basis. So, you know, he, his, his numbers are going to be legitimately earned. You know, I think there's some, 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 some D one arms that he faces on a regular basic. And then obviously on a basis, I should say. Um, and then, you know, you've seen Jarek a couple times and they play mm -hmm. in a good district down there. So, yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if those guys can make any more impressions. Cause you know, this is about the time when, or not, not the only time, but it's a time when some of the higher up guys in an organization, if they're bearing down on certain guys, that's when they go in and they may bring some people that haven't seen these guys before. So that's why a lot of times you see some guys make that jump, yeah. you know, it's because they're getting different eyes on them at a, you know, quote unquote, more crucial time in the process. Um, you know, and they're, they got a chance to really uh, make an impression. So yeah, it is, it is fun. And I'm, I'm excited to get some of those, um, some of those environments and talking a little bit about some of those guys with the draft impression. I, did a did a little uh, research and did a check on how our um, college draft teams were doing. Um, do you have any thoughts before I rattle off some numbers? 
No, I honestly, I, I struggle to remember exactly who I drafted. <laughs> I know I drafted like, like uh, a lot okay. of the LSU lineup. Yeah, you have, well, which is good you, because no, I didn't draft no, any of their pitchers. You only have one of their really? guys in your lineup. Yeah. I thought I had multiple ones. I know no, I have Bob you, Morgan. You have Trey Morgan. You have Trey Morgan. Bob Moore's hitting 232. Oh, that's tough. Hey, that'd be yeah. that might be lead major league baseball right now. Um, yeah, true. I know yeah, I've no, got Jace, uh, Jace Young's having how many a big homers year? Do they have? 20, him and Melinda's have 21 both, don't they? No, Young has 11. 11? Somebody tweeted he had 21 the other day, dude. Like, I, I did, I, I already had the Texas page pulled up, so I did the Texas guys first. And that kind of that kind of made everyone else's season seem bad after looking at Melendez's numbers. Yeah, I mean he, it's crazy. Like he he's got twenty one jacks, sixty one RBIs, ten doubles, and he's hitting four hundred one. Yeah, four hundred one. He's having and, then, and the I weather mean, has like we you know how it gets there when I mean yeah they move the fences and stuff. It's still not a very hitter friendly park until it like heats up, you know, like, well, I, I will say this, I, I think, well, and this contributes some to their pitching numbers too, being down, you know, like I think it's been a lot more favorable this year from a wind perspective. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it, it's hurt some of the pitching numbers. I was trying to explain that to someone the other day, you know, someone that was, that. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, on in your old stomping grounds is where that was good good place. luck good luck with that yeah i'm, I'm surprised they haven't fired but, anybody yet yeah so well brandon bird so uh, well the fans have in their minds i know that's what, fired yeah, everybody. that's what i'm saying um but uh on your side brandon bird is having a really really good year um he's gone he's six and two with a 2.170 ra and only 17 walks and 54 innings that's the big that's the big one to me you know i'm I'm sure that's what scouts have really keyed in on is yeah we know the arm strength's been there can he pitch and can't throw strikes and he's doing it yeah no doubt um you know i think so your team is hitting 292 with 100 doubles, nine triples, 53 home runs, and 272 RBIs. And you've got a 3.86 ERA. Kendall is blowing us out of the water offensively um, because he has Melendez. He has Barry. Oh, yeah. That'll carry him. Yeah. yeah. So, and he's ha- he has Peyton Graham. He's having a good year. Um, he, he, so, he's hitting – 324 with 105 doubles, nine triples, and 88 home runs. Sheesh. Yeah, so he's got 35 more home runs than you do, and he's got 361 RBIs to your 272. But his pitching is is the worst of the three. They're, um, he's sitting in an eight. Which I think know, is just, what we thought coming out of the draft, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. So a lot of it's played out, you know, but he's sitting there with a uh, 4.17 ERA. And then I, my guys, I've had a couple guys get hurt. So Reggio's hurt, and I think Gavin DeGoss is hurt. Man, um, but Bob Morris had a sorry to interrupt, but this is a bizarre like he's walked more than he struck out, and he's only struck out 24 times, and he's still only hitting 232. They that my man's got some bad Babic luck, is what's going on with, with Bob Moore. Uh, there's some bad luck on. that'll that'll well, even out. He's gonna get hot here down the stretch. Well, we know he put big game Bob, you know, we know, we know what he does in the post. Yeah. This is probably boring for him. Uh, yeah. You know, he, he, I think he might, I think he might be right. He may break out here soon, but um, my team, cause I had significantly less at bats than you and Kendall across the board. Yeah, I mean, I had part Eric of that too. Yeah. 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 Kendall has the that. most at bats, but um, so I have, Let's see. I've my, I'm hitting 304 with 90 doubles, 13 triples, and 69 home runs, 305 RBIs, and then on the mound, even with Tanner Witt going down, um, I'm sitting at a 3.42 ERA, and I actually well, you have two more innings than me total, and that's with Witt out. So I think it's because. Brandon Talley has been 
pitching as a starter as opposed to a closer. So, but I guess it evens out because Martinez has moved to the bullpen now. But anyways, so yeah, so you know, like we thought, my my pitching was probably the best overall, um, even with Wick going down, um, which hurt some but yeah yeah so nick you know, nixon nixon hurt me he's he just hasn't been well anything none of like we none of the gonna be none of the closers have done yeah. much which was, i think speaks to like this is all levels like the volatility of the relief pitching like it's you see at the pro yeah. levels man it's just a, yeah. it's a wave you know because a couple bad outings can basically skew your season line to yeah look really really daily hasn't had the season i thought he would um you know, Fincher at Law Tech hasn't been as good as I thought he would. He's not walking, but he's only walked eight guys this year, but he just hasn't had that that same yeah. type of, of, of Madero Medeiros is what really hurt your numbers. Yeah. Um, he has not been good. He has and a six we knew we knew ERA. coming in, he was he was a stuff guy that was either but he hasn't have... been wild. He's only walked 17. Yeah, maybe that's he's only <laughs> yeah, seriously. He he's walked 17 in 44 innings. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a pretty healthy amount of walks. Well, Bertzel's got 17 and 54 innings. Um, but then you've got guys like like I mean, let's see, Justin Campbell it has 15 walks and 65 innings. Hansen has 12 walks and 63 innings. So yeah, but anyways, I just wanted to do a quick little check-in there, and I don't know, I don't know what I learned other than Kendall's got some massive power numbers, but you know, I, I mean, like I said, everyone seemed like they were having just an okay season after starting with Melendez. Yeah. Um, right. Right. Yeah. That's just, it'll I mean, be fascinating know, to see hey, what, what happens with him in the draft. Yeah, it, it will be. It's, it, it, it is interesting. I think he'll get penalized some by his position, but um, you know, I mean, he just keeps yeah. hitting and, he, and he, he's, and he's a good hitter that hits for power. He's not a power guy that just can't. Hit. Yeah, that's I mean, the thing is, he's hitting four hundred one. Right. Um, yeah. And I, Carly told me a stat the other day. See if this, see if this, what this tells you or what this does to your mind, because mine was blown. But as but going into last week, Murphy Staley had more hits this year than anybody on the Texas team last year total and that's like with playing like 30 games less yeah that's pretty yeah that's that's mind-blowing I, I know last year's group was a lot of really patient guys um you know your antiquos of the world and stuff like that but that's still like yeah that's that's pretty mind-blowing i mean he, <laughs> he puts the ball and play a lot and he puts the ball and play hard a lot yeah, Melendez, he'll be fascinating. Hell, Staley, I mean, Staley's played himself into being a guy that's, that's got to get drafted now. Um, Melendez last year was kind of that streaky guy where his highs were as high as anybody in college baseball, and then he would kind of wouldn't hear from him for a little bit. Now it's been more – it's been steadier. Um, if teams think he can get to that power consistently, they don't. they won't care about the position i i don't think i mean the that's what your development people are for in the minor leagues like hey let's teach this guy to play first base you know like at least at a passable level because he's not a bad athlete you know he, he's he's not like you know daniel vogelbach over there or somebody like that um but yeah it, it'll it'll be fascinating because he's like you said he's i mean he's hitting 401 like that's even if you want to say, okay, he's had some positive luck. Okay. We'll regress that to what? 320. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like that's, that's still in, insanely good. So um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Pitching my college pitching is, yeah. That, I knew coming out of that draft, it was going to be a bit of an issue and that's, that's proven. Well, that's kind of what we thought too about college baseball as a whole this year was, Man, we can name off a bunch of hitters, but good luck naming off a bunch of pitchers. And then Landon Sims went down, Tanner Witt went down. I mean, Peyton Palette before the year, like start running through the list of arms. And it's just, and then you look at the MLB draft preview stuff, and there just isn't that long list of college arms at the top of the draft that we're used to seeing. Um, it's a, it's a, it's an unusual year. You know, we don't really yeah. have more many years in college baseball like this where you can't rattle off a bunch of Friday night aces across the country just have that have dominant stuff and dominant numbers. 
And I think that's what's going to, it's creating chaos in the rankings. It's going to create chaos in the postseason too, because those pitching staffs are going to have to work through regionals um, with, with really have to dip down into your third and fourth starter and that those types of arms, it's going to create pandemonium, I think, and a lot of upsets um, across baseball, but could allow well, guys like Ivan Melendez to feast in the regional. That's for sure. Cause if, He's so good that if he gets hot in a regional, he can win that team a regional. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, he, we, we've seen him get hot. Um, but, you know, it's funny you talk about that, that I think there, there's kind of a similar sentiment in this week's upcoming NFL draft is kind of like a, it's like a kind of blah top of the class. I think there's some depth at some positions, but overall there's no, like, if you had last year's draft and this year's draft combined, the top 10 would be heavily, heavily favored by last year's draft. Yeah. You know, the guys that are going in the top couple of picks this year, wouldn't be in that conversation quite as heavily this year, but yeah. So it, kind of an interesting deal. I think, I, I think part of it's actually is, has some effects from COVID on it, you know, cause a lot of, there's a lot of guys in this group that missed some development um, for, a good chunk of their college career so mm-hmm. you know and i think that's something that needs to be looked at or yeah and like looked the ML- at or whether it means anything or not it just is what it is oh there'll be studies done in, in years from now just kind of a looking back and how that time period affected everybody from a skill development standpoint and um i think too from like a health standpoint i mean we're seeing a lot in baseball this year it's been the adductor injury the oblique injury and last year was the hamstring injury and it just it goes to show you that even at the professional level, when these guys are kind of thrown off their, their off season routine or their normal preseason schedule, that it can, it can have a costly effect when it comes time to play games and stuff like that. But yeah, like the MLB side, we talk about there isn't that, that crop of college pitchers. Um, the pro side for the NFL, there's just not that crop of quarterbacks. There are quarterbacks who are going to get drafted, but there's not that slam dunk. Um, guy or whatever unfortunately for the Longhorns Kylie McDaniel's tweeting about Cutter Coffee um, as yeah a it sounds believer. like sounds like sounds like Bolt and Coffee are gone it's yeah yeah that's usually how it works when you when you go to California to go get guys uh, you know those big name guys have a tendency to just keep keep moving their way up but yeah he said that he's going to be a big mover on his draft list and I didn't realize how big Cutter Coffee is like he's a big dude uh, so is Bolt as well. I mean, those Bolt's are, a monster. Those, Bolt's a monster. Bolt's a physical what do they what do they monster. have coffee lifted at? What do they have coffee listed at? Um, he said he's going to publish a new list. Um, no, no, no. He, what size? Oh, I didn't what think size? He was big. I um, thought he was undersized. Let me look because I saw like some video. Um, I'm look at MLB Pipeline's list real quick. Six two one ninety. Okay, so he's bigger than we thought. Yeah, I mean, 190 for a prep guy. That's, you know, you're 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 a pretty big dude, for sure. Like by comparison, what do they have? Jason Jones listed at six two, 195. You know, we know Jason Jones, a physical guy too. So, yeah. yeah, it's uh, yeah, draft season's here, pro side, and you know, we'll have to get some. We'll get your your uh, your mock thoughts Thursday before the draft hits. I know you've got. Have you got your mock draft done? Are you have you penciled everything in? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, who do you I've have? Done. Steal, who do you have the Steelers taking? Can you share that with with the? Uh, I think Coach I, T listens in sometimes. Yeah, I heard. I heard he does. He called <laughs> me the other day. Um, yeah, no, I I think like they're going to be a legitimate spot potentially for Malik Willis. That's um, Malik, I, I think so. Malik too. Willis yeah. or Desmond Ritter, I think would be good fits there, um, especially with have you know. Malik's a guy that he has the most, the highest ceiling of this class by far um, on the quarterback side, but he ain't ready. He is far from ready. Um, yeah. Which is fine if you've got a Trubisky that can just exactly. kind of be that bridge. Exactly. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I think that would be a good spot for him. Um, just, you know, with the stability, um, with the stability of uh, that organization, you know, one of the best run ones and with Tomlin just, you know, being a guy that everyone has respect for, you know, I think that would be a a great spot for him. Ritter would be a good, a good fit there. I think, Um, I think, I think he may end up being like, he reminds me of Dak some. Um, Okay. 
there's some DAC similarities there um, as far as like, you know, what people thought of him at this point of his career, but he listening to all the people that have been and met with him and that coached him and everything, it, you know, he just comes across as a leader um, just kind of goes about his work, not super flashy, but very well respected in the locker room. So I think he'd be a good fit. I don't, I'm not a Kenny Pickett guy. I just, I can't get there on him. Um, My thing I go back to with him is, you know, they kind of, it's like their system was kind of ahead of defenses a little bit, you know, with what they're doing in there. And I I think that he benefited from that. Um, He, so he, some, a couple of things that, you know, I think there's people have some mis, misguided notions on what he really is. Um, he's kind of a gunslinger, um, but he has, and part of it's having, a, you know, years of playing behind an awful line, but he has happy feet and yeah, he, he's not, he's not like, I heard it explained as like, he's not, he doesn't scramble to run. He scrambles to pass, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times he's too quick to scramble. Um, and he just kind of, he ends up throwing the ball away or into the other team's hands sometimes because he just gets a little bit antsy and it's just a byproduct of, you know, and, and that's one of those things that man, it's, it's tough to get rid of that once you've got it. Yeah. Um, for a guy that's as old as him, especially, um, you know, he's, he's, he's the older, he's a fifth year guy, um, which you don't see much anymore. Yeah. Whereas the other guys are not. So, um, you know, I, it'll be interesting. I, I'm hoping the Cowboys end up with a, some, some good offensive linemen. Uh, I love, I would love for Zion Johnson to fall all the way down to them. I think he's going to be, a, I think he's going to be this year's Rayshon Slater. Um, okay. Yeah, just a technician. Um, just love everything about his path and the offense he's been in. Um, does a little bit of everything, which is similar to the Cowboys. Um, but yeah, so it should be interesting. I'm excited for Thursday night. For yeah, so yeah, even two, though two. even though they make that first round last like four hours. Yeah, I know it's so brutal, it's, especially if you don't pick near the top, which our teams typically don't. Like it's kind of like ah, oh, it's kind of a drag and. And wait down. So that'll that'll be our, our teaser for our Thursday podcast. Is we'll we'll get we'll get Drew to put his NFL draft cap on and, and give us the goods Ooh. heading into that. Okay. But um speaking of uh, the the pro draft list I was looking from, I've my pictures are all over this this uh draft prospect list. Unfortunately, it hasn't translated to great results, but yeah, um I've got some I've got some guys on here for sure. Okay. Um, so do you as well you know don't you yeah. have Ardoin and Faltini yeah. yeah yeah they're they're both they're both on there Silas is making himself some money the last I, couple yeah of I, I eight home so. runs right now I think so. I mean that was a thing coming in you know it was like okay he's got the catch and throw skill but can he hit and he, he's sitting 314 with eight yeah. bombs and we said this last guys. year you know I, I I wrote about it a bunch like he was a unlucky hitter last year his at bats were yeah. so much better than his numbers um, and it's just a matter of time before that was going to show. And fortunately for him, it's, it's really shown this year. So yeah, um, good to see he's being recognized yeah. for that. And I, I think it's going to pay off for him um, sure. come draft time as, as well. But well, that wrap us up. We've kind of bounced all over the place, but thanks for hanging in with us as we wrap up episode 60 of the five tool podcast, get the Apple podcast Podbean, the five tool website. It's got a podcast tab where you can find it. And of course, if you're following five to on Twitter or following us on Twitter at Drew H. Bishop at Dustin L. McComas, we're tweeting these out as well. We published the video version on YouTube. Um, if you kind of like to get that look, I know that's something that people like um, seeing our faces and yeah, um, the weird facial expressions that I make throughout talking. Um, but today I, I really wouldn't recommend it because um, I, I look like a guy that that was sl- slick, slick Padres jacket on, though. Yeah, man. Like I, uh, I'm a sucker for these, these types of pullover type things. Like mm-hmm. it's, um, and it was chilly there. So I love a good excuse to go in the team store and, and find something. Um, yeah. you know, so it's, yeah, it's kind of unique too. They've got that Brown and, and yellow thing going on. Um, but which I kind of dig cause it's kind of different, but 
Yeah, I always find an excuse to get one of these and add it to the closet because they're good. Like days like today in Austin, it was like 55 in the morning. You just throw this thing on and um, or even heck, you know, it's it's so lightweight that when it's 90, it wouldn't be bad if you don't have sunscreen or something like that. But yeah, yeah you can tune into YouTube and see my uh, nice little San Diego Padres pool over there. There you go. Um, and my my uh, my slightly sunburned face um, from from uh, some uh, the by the way the water in the Pacific right now for re- like chilled my bones. It was so cold. It was it's, freezing. I don't know how okay. people do it. So one one quick story before we so and then we'll shut up. But so yes, so my brother in law, as some people know, is a Navy SEAL, and so he did all of his training there in Coronado, and he. He was in the summer class to start uh, the buds class in the summer, um, which is like a strategically smart thing to do because the water's a little bit warmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had he had a really unlucky um, situation where they had their one off day in after after Hell Week. So he made it through Hell Week um, first first year, and then they had an off day, and him and his buddy went somewhere outside out of town. And they came back and they got stuck in traffic for over four hours where they didn't move. And they were two minutes late past the time that they had to be back on base. And so he got rolled over. He got kicked out and rolled over to the next class. He had to start all over. Oh, man. And that, that put him in the winner group. So then he had to go through all of the same stuff in much colder um, water conditions, which is awful. And that he said, like, you know, that was, that was really the part that like changed it for him, but he made it through easily, like, you know, quote unquote, easily, like that stuff's never been hard for him. But so I understand what you're saying on the freezing water. um, It's, it's like from a Navy SEALs point of view. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I can't imagine doing anything like that and doing anything like that in that water temperature, but yeah, Coronado, like, if I just had millions and millions and millions of dollars, like that, that'd be the place I live. Um, yeah. Cause it's pretty much paradise on earth for sure. Um, and I would make do with, with the cold water, but um, yeah. So we've rambled all over the place. Uh, get the Apple podcast or wherever you consume podcasts or get the Podbean or five tool. Check this thing out. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, more games this week as district titles are determined by the end of the week. Um, so be some exciting games to talk about. We will see you guys and talk to you guys on Thursday. Um, Until then, have a good week. Take care.